0: Priority of our life should be God, wife, kids, us type of thing. And I'm going to focus on that first one. We've got to put Jesus in front.
1: It's not the who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena space is marked by dust and sweat and blood from men in the arena it's equipping men in 10 our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood call you out of the faceless nameless bleachers and call you up to be the best version of you because when a man gets it everyone wins enjoy today's episode
0: Man in the arena army we salute you hey guys thanks for listening to this episode of the men the arena podcast this is equipping men in 10 and i'm here today with my co-host dale culver how you doing man doing awesome buddy hey do you have a i'm not your buddy i'm your boss okay hey do you have a man word today i'm not talking to my boss just my buddy uh, just talking
1: to your buddy all right that's uh, okay uh man word yes you're gonna love this one my man word today is veneer and uh it, when you look that up, it actually says to de- it's a decorative covering over something, right? And so I th- I've heard you talk about this before many yeah. times, and uh, I, I love it because we do this with Facebook and other social media uh, or just how we present ourselves in life. We put this veneer up, and uh, man, I love it when I'm in my small group with my men, and I have guys that will completely, they'll just share what's going on in life. And I, So that's a guy I can trust. But the guy who puts this veneer up and pretends like everything's okay, he will never share a prayer request, he's just like, hey, I got it all together. I I struggle with that guy because I, do, I do not trust him. He's a liar. Yeah. yeah. So I think, uh, you guys, we need to shed that veneer and be real. No, I agree. I couldn't agree more. I think that's really, really important. I had a guy at one point
0: tell me, I don't understand this whole vulnerability deal that you're into. And two years later, he had a moral failure and got, <laughs> and got run out of town. So, you know, that's super important. But, hey, I want to dive into our series, Ask Me Anything. Guys are saying to me, hey, is it too late to ask you anything? No, man, keep going. We're going to keep going until this series is over. We run out of questions. So we've got some phenomenal questions. I'm saving some of the really profound ones that require research till a little later. There's There are two particularly that I, I'm going to have to – go into deep waters to answer. So I will answer those guys, but but I can't answer them off the top of my head. But these here, I think I can answer these three today off the top of my head. Dale, feel free to chime in at any moment. So the first one is, how should a man deal with heartbreak in a marriage relationship that ended in divorce? And this guy's hopeful that there'll be reconciliation in the marriage, even though there's been a divorce, even though the, and the wife is actually with another guy. So... In my experience, every one of us has gone through a heartbreak. We -hmm. all go through heartbreak. Uh, I had a couple heartbreaks in my early 20s and teen years, and it's a horrible experience. And divorce is way worse because now you've got the severing of uh, basically two body parts, like two bodies. like We're supposed to be one, and there's this severing. In fact, it's really interesting, Dale. I don't know if you know this. There is nowhere in the Bible where God ever addresses an ex-spouse by their second marriage name. Mm. For example, Bathsheba is never called David's wife in Scripture. She's always called the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Mm. And, and so there's something very profound there I'm not going to go into, but you know, when God says one man, one woman, one lifetime, he means it. And God always sees it, even in second and third marriages. I realize there's grace there, but God sees it as the first marriage. So it's very, very important in in my opinion, what I believe from scripture, very, very important to God. So I would just say to this man, this is a time to lean into Jesus real heavy. Yeah. Because the priority of our life should be God, wife, kids, us type of thing. And I'm going to focus on that first one. We've got to put Jesus in front. We've got to put Jesus in front. And so I would just tell this man, and this is from uh, Roberto B. So thanks for asking this question, Roberto. Feel free to hit us up. We'd love to send you some swag. But man, lean into Jesus. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Don't put your hope in the relationship. Put your hope in Jesus. Live for Jesus. Don't try to win her back but you know, just a winter back. You live for Jesus and you see what God can do. And God may never restore that. That marriage may never be restored. Uh, God's heart would be restore it, but people are now in the equation. And so uh, it's not God's fault. This marriage ended in divorce. But God hates divorce. The Bible says in Malachi. But it's your job to put your hope and trust in Jesus and lean heavily into
1: Him during these days. And really, that's all I can tell you. Is there anything I missed there, Dale? I don't no, know. I, what I'm else walking to say. with a guy right now, and that's my advice: is, dude, you need a you need to press in, press into Jesus. You you can only worry about your relationship with Jesus and make that stronger. And the byproduct from that is what God's going to give you. Well, and honestly. Uh, if, if your guy
0: is the guy I'm thinking of, you know, a lot of these relationships end because somebody's not pressing into Jesus. Yeah. And they've taken advantage of the relationship or they've, 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 through their wealth, they've kind of forgotten the things of God or they've allowed sin. You know, a lot of guys, there's adultery that's crept into the relationship. A lot of things happen here. So it's not just, oh, I broke my heart, I lost my wife. It's, dude, you did stuff. There's always stuff. There's stuff. On both sides of the coin. So at this point, you just need to hope in Jesus, trust in Jesus. And uh, if Jesus redeems that relationship miraculously, uh, praise God, I've seen it happen many, many times. If not, you know, how then shall we live? You know, we trust Jesus. So the second question uh, comes in from The Marksman (laughs) on social media. And he wants to know, uh, he wants us to address the common pitfalls to avoid in leading a men's ministry. So here's what I would say, man. Four things jump out. Now, I, I don't know if you know this. Not only do I have a men's ministry that's an international men's ministry called Men in the Arena, I'm actually a lay leader of the men's ministry at my church. So I understand both sides of this. So let me tell you what I would say. The first mistake you need to avoid, the first pitfall to avoid in starting a men's ministry is doing it without a plan. A lot of guys will say, "Hey, we're going to have a breakfast, or we're going to have a speaker come." There's no plan, like a, a calendar for that men's ministry. They just wing it and fling it. We need to do something for men, so we're going to have a breakfast. We need to do something for men, so we're going to do a. How's the speaker come in? And I think that's a that's a mistake. Don't do that. Have a plan. Have a calendar, and work the plan. If you need a calendar or a plan. Hit me up. We'll take care of that for you. We can send that to you. I have a book coming out in the fall called The Men's Ministry Playbook, which is a calendar, a plan, curriculum, everything. It's designed for the men's ministry leader. Anything you want to add? No, that's good. Oh, you're looking at me funny like, I don't know, dude. I got something I want to say. No, 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 not at all. (laughs) All right, I repent. That's really good. I I repent. Number two doing it without physical and verbal support from your pastor. By physical, I mean that he will be physically present at events, that he will verbally announce it from the pulpit, and that there will be physical, fiscal dollars behind men's ministry. I think I think when people just jump out and do it and kind of say, hey, I don't care what the pastor thinks, I'm doing this thing, and the pastor's not in support, or the leadership's not in support, I think you get into trouble. That being said... My third pitfall is not doing any men's ministry because the church leadership is not behind it. I know that sounds like a contradiction, but there is a time and place where a man may have to start something for men, even if, which I could never imagine a church not being behind men's ministry. I just really want to question a, man's, a pastor's biblical knowledge to not be behind men's ministry. So there's a whole problem there. But listen, I have, a, I have a church that greatly supports men's ministry. Our church deeply supports men's ministry. Our pastor told me personally he took the job at the church in part because of the men's ministry. However, I meet with my guys on Sunday mornings before church in a local bar and grill for breakfast. I don't meet at my church. Now our church is across the street. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is a guy can easily start a study with a group of guys and it doesn't have to be in the church. In fact, I would recommend against it. I think meet with guys, guys are social. Guys like to go hang out and and uh, sh- chew the cru- you know just sh- you know shoot the you know stuff. what? <laughs> so I, I just, for us, I, we love meeting in restaurants. And so it's a great witness to the people around you. The fourth pitfall or the fourth mistake that guys make when they lead a men's ministry is they make this an event-driven thing instead of discipleship-driven. If you imagine a target on a wall, the bullseye is your weekly gathering with men. Everything starts there. You start with your weekly gathering, and then you move out from there. And so these events are a part of, or beyond this weekly event, you have your monthly, you know, quarterly, annual events. But everything comes out of and flows out of this core group of men that you will... Uh, you can call them your men's ministry leadership team. You can call them whatever you want, but these are the core guys of the church. These six to 12 guys. These are the guys you have to start there. So Mm -hmm. hope that answered your question. Hit us up the marksman and we will send you some swag. So guys, that's all we have time for today. Dale drive us home.
1: Yeah, guys, we want you to head on over to our website at MenInTheArena.org, and we want you to pick up your free copy of our newest book, Tell Them What Great Fathers Tell Their Sons and Daughters. And while you're there, click Join Our Program. Until next time, fill the west sand on the arena floor, hear the deafening roar of the crowd, taste the sweetness of victory, smell the stench of battle, get in the game, get dirty, grind it out, and be a man. Everyone wins.